Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I'm your host, John Robb, joined here by my wonderful co-host and healthy co-host so far, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing good, at least staying inside. I get to stay healthy. Exactly. Uh, bad times up there in Seattle right now. Of course, uh, we'll hear this. Hopefully, by the time when you hear this interview, things are much better, but the coronavirus, of course, is going on, and poor Jeff is stuck in Seattle uh, up there having to deal with that. So uh, we wish you the best, my man. Wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you. So tonight we have a great author coming on to speak with us. She is Lori Rader Day. She is going to be talking about her latest book, The Lucky One. I want to remind you all that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so visit suspensemagazine.com and Kensington Books, so visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on their stuff. So you ready to go, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. I'm excited about this. All right. Well, then let's no further ado. Here we go. Lori, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Also staying inside just for, you know, fun. Exactly. Well, and you're a little colder, <laughs> so, you know, a little colder where you are. It's a little colder. Yeah. Hey, but we had rain today in L.A., and that's something that does not happen all the time. And it is actually a little chilly. I think the high was about 64. I'm crying. We were, we were about 34 today, I think, 35 maybe. Ooh, I haven't seen I that know. temperature in probably about eight years. I don't recommend it. Neither do I. Yeah, coming from Ohio in the Midwest and lived in Minnesota for four years, I had enough of the cold. White Christmases are overrated. I'd rather watch it on TV on the Christmas story and get it every year and then go, yay, that was nice. So that's kind of how it rolls. So, again, we want to thank you so much for coming on. And The Lucky One is your latest book that's out there. So where did you get the idea to come up with this? Well, I was I just finished um, my last book, Under a Dark Sky, just turned it into my editor. Uh, when Next Door, this house had been noisily redone, and one day a cute little family was in the backyard, and we share a sort of low, ugly, chain-link fence with them. So you, if you're in your backyard and they're in their backyard, we were going to you know, be friends whether we liked it or not. Um, and she, uh, the mother and the little girl were in the backyard, and she introduced me to her little girl, who was Eden, which is the name I had just given to my protagonist of my last book. And I hadn't known an Eden until just now, and she's two years old. Um, and the kinds of stories I, I write, not a great, you know, not great. The, the mother thought it was pretty fantastic, actually. She was pretty excited. But I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think you understand what kind of stories I write here. Um, this isn't right. good news. Um, but they, we started talking about the fence, um, and it was, it's their fence. Uh, we had talked about building a new fence on our side, but it would just sort of trap grass between for them. And we said, well, you know, if you also don't like this fence, and she's, oh, yeah, I hate this fence. It's ugly, but more than that, I'm worried because I think somebody might reach over and grab Eden. You might kidnap her daughter, right? And I was sort of completely shocked because I'm the worst-case scenario person, you know, for my job. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about it, though. I don't have kids. And she's like, oh, no, no, it's, it's not just that you don't have kids. It's that I was kidnapped as a child. And I just, it's like the whole, like the record scratch happened, you know. Yeah. I just reached over the fence, and I'm like, okay, stop. Um, you might have just become the protagonist of my next book. Is that okay? And she was like, yay, that sounds fun. I'm like, no, probably not. Um, <laughs> wow. But, uh, 
so that the idea of somebody having been kidnapped as a child, remembering it, but being returned safely, it just started like a million stories in my head. And so um, my character, Alice Fine, was kidnapped when she was about three years old. She remembers it. It's sort of this family story uh, that she's always grown up with that she, you know, she knows about. And, um, but, you know, she was the lucky one. She got brought home safely. Um, but she feels sort of like, you know, she wants to do something with this energy of having been returned safely. So she decides to give back by uh, volunteering with a website called the Doe Pages which is based on a real website called the Doe Network, um, where they, they look into, uh, these are like real amateur online sleuths who like, look into cold case, missing persons cases. So um, Alice is looking on the site one day, and she sees a face that she recognizes, which is her kidnapper. And so she decides that she's going to sort of scratch the surface of that and see what's happening. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like stunned silence. That's that's. Yeah. that's oh, a thing. Well, I mean, and as of course, and we're and you know we're parents, and I mean that's like, you know, you just that that's a hit you right in the right in the chest. Yeah, I mean, and and you know she is a lucky one, right? She's standing right there in her backyard. My neighbor is safe, and so is and so is Alice. So it's this what really happened kind of story. Um, it's also. I had also been looking at the Doe Network, the real website. Um, but, you know, I guess I just do things like this for fun because I had been shopping around for the next idea for a book, which, you know, I just finished once. I wasn't really urgently looking for the idea, but I was just sort of looking into things that, that interested me, um, you know, following the trail of things that I found um, piqued my interest. And uh, so I was looking at this website one day when I saw a face that I recognized, and it was a girl who had um, ridden the same school bus that I did when I was a kid. I, she disappeared when she was 12. I knew that. I hadn't really forgotten her, but I was surprised to see her, you know, listed on this website. Wow. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where the story came from. And then the story also has another uh, protagonist. Marilee Cruz is a woman who has uh, a recent loss in her life. Um, her mother's ex-boyfriend, who she kind of thought of as like a kind of stepdad, um, is missing. And so she's looking for him, and then she and Alice intersect each other at some point. I, 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 have, to, I have to ask about your neighbor. I'm sorry. Um, okay, yeah, fine. Because the reason I ask this is because when you write a book, you can give your characters closure. And I'm yeah. wondering, did your neighbor have that same closure? She does. So her story, very briefly, is that she uh, was, was nabbed over the fence, just like she was, you know, scared of, um, by an older woman who lived nearby um, at her daycare. So this was a daycare that maybe had too many kids for how many adults they had. And nobody saw it happen. Um, the woman wanted to give the little girl a cookie. So she took her down to her house to give her a cookie. And then uh, her dogs uh, came out when the uh, little girl was there by herself and uh, bit her. And so you know, then she was screaming and crying and bleeding, and the woman panicked, and instead of taking her back to her daycare, which makes the most rational sense, she took her to the nearest um, big box store and left her in the parking lot. 
and someone there recognized her at the small town in North Carolina, um, and so they recognized her as, you know, isn't that so-and-so's little girl? Well, where are they? And so they, they made sure that she was safe. And, and I don't think the parents even realized she was gone. I'm not sure that daycare really knew that she was gone yet. Um, but she was returned safely within a couple of hours. It was very, very quick. But it, that's part of the, the story, why it just, like, exploded in my head. It was this very normal well-adjusted woman with a little girl of her own is, is next door and she's had this, you know, crazy adventure, this worst case scenario type thing happened to her, but it was all over so quickly. So now it's just like this burnished story that she knows and can tell and everyone just stops when she tells it as I did over the fence. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but the only thing I brought from this story is that, that quick kidnapping quick return home, everything's fine. And then, of course, the real story is going to be much bigger than that. Otherwise, it would be a very short book. Um, but uh, my neighbors read the book, and she loved it. <laughs> she oh, told all of her friends on Facebook that it was the story of her kidnapping. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, what, or I guess whose psyche were you trying to explore the most? Which one was going? Which one excited you the most when you when you were writing that you wanted to explore? Was it the victim uh, when they came back and to explore the things that they felt and how they were going to live their life, or the person that took them? Mm-hmm. Who 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 were you who were you more interested in trying to explore the the mind of when you started to write the book? Uh, when I started to write the book, and, and I don't plan ahead too much. So, you know, once I have a couple of uh, points on the map, I just start writing, and then I figure out what it is I, I'm going to write about. Um, I think I was definitely interested in the victim. Um, Alice Fine, you know, she's about 34 when the story starts. She was kidnapped at about three. Um, she's got this kind of, it's almost like a badge of honor, She's volunteering for this website, and um, the, actually the very first moment in the book is um, a chat room con- uh, conversation among the, do- the does, is what they call themselves, the, the volunteers of the site. They have like a little back channel chat, and um, Alice is, is trying to say something about um, victims and how... Um, you know, the unknowable is very knowable. Not everybody who gets kidnapped, you know, can't speak for themselves. I can speak for myself. I was kidnapped. And everyone just launches at her. Um, and she realizes that was a bad idea, so she deletes the comment. So that's the very first moment in the book. Um, but she, she does have this sort of pride. You know, she's lived through something that nobody else she knows has lived through. Mm-hmm. But then she's also very protective and secretive Her dad was a former cop he's the one who rescued her and he's kind of taught her to be very suspicious and private and uh contained and 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 she let herself go a little bit but that means you know uh, she's so contained that she hasn't really let herself live a life yet so that's what she's dealing with now is she's kind of feeling like her life hasn't started and it's time to do so so it's really alice that i wanted to explore and then Marilee came in, and I got to explore two different, very different characters, which was a lot of fun. Well, I, I'm curious, how do you, as a writer, dive so deep into the, philosoph- the psychological aspects of your characters 
but yet um, you don't get icky, if you know what I mean. Don't get icky? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's what's fun for me, you know, exploring, exploring um, you know, a what if or a situation, an imagined situation or, you know, a real situation in this case. Um, I don't know. That's just what's fun for me, trying to figure out, like, what is the what would a person who survived something like this, how would they feel about things? Like, you know, my neighbor is, is looking at this fence and she's looking at it in an entirely different way than I am, having had her experience. We still haven't replaced that fence, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's what's fun. And I, I always like to see if I can get my characters into really dark places where they they think or they they don't usually say it, but they'll usually think something that is so bad that they would never admit it. Something that they would never say out loud or they would never admit to having thought. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's that's like a victory for me when I can get a character into a really dark space. Hmm. Gotcha. That's what you get for calling me this late at night, guys. Yeah, hey, no, that's good. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I have some more wine. But, um, <laughs> I, do is there, is there a place you won't go, though? Is there a boundary you won't cross? I'm not really interested in stories where children get hurt. Um, one of my oh, friends actually was talking. She, I, I started reading your book, and I got really concerned about a little girl. And I'm like, she's fine. You know, she's an adult. <laughs> you're, you're reading about her as an adult. She made it through. Obviously, she's the lucky one. Um, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so... A lot of us don't really like the stories where children are hurt, and that is not the case in this book, for obviously. Um, I also won't do um, animals that are hurt. I'm a big animal lover. My my dog ruined me forever for that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm not really interested in harming innocent creatures, really. But I, I know it happens in real life. It's just not something that I, I think that I need to write about. It's just like I won't write a book set in New York or L.A. because, you know, other people can do that. Oh, I write Midwestern Thank stories. you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, um, I would just get it wrong, so why not write about Chicago, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so why do you like writing novels with the recurring theme of sort of like dealing with trauma and your characters searching for a truth? What appeals to you about writing that? I don't know. Um, you know, I had a very happy childhood, so um, I don't <laughs> – much like uh, – let's see. I was, I'm reading a, a biography of Agatha Christie right now for my next book, and uh, she had a very happy childhood. But, you know, she grew up and wrote these terrible stories. But um, I, like, I, I, love, I love Agatha I don't Christie. Know. Oh, I love Agatha Christie. She's um, Jeff knows that. Everybody knows I love Agatha Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me at the end about my new book. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I don't know, I just, I, these are just the kind of stories that I, I grew up reading. I, you know, discovered Agatha Christie and Mary Higgins Clark very young, age 11 or 12. And I just loved how everything comes together at the end. It, like everything has a reason for being the way it is. Um, although I don't always uh, go that route. Sometimes I leave things a little... Open. Well, you know, it's funny, you, yeah, you, mentioned Mary, you mentioned Mary Higgins Clark, and I remember the first book I ever read of Mary Higgins Clark, which was that Stillwater book, and that was about the kidnapping. Oh, I don't know, it's been a lot of the children. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. The well, I re- The kidnapping of the children. I read... Oh, is that the... Um, Where are the children? Is that the one? Oh, maybe it is Where Are the Children. Yes. Where are the children, the yeah. first book. Where they, where, where they were kidnapped in the lighthouse. Yeah, I think that's her first book. Um, yeah. yeah, so she yeah, came right the out of the gate. That's the first one I ever read of hers. Strong. Yeah. Uh, my favorite was um, A Cry in the Night, which is oh, one of, okay. I think it was probably one of the early ones, but it was another, you know, yeah. woman in danger, child in danger story. Did you read her, Jeff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. was a huge fan. Yeah. Yep. So I can see why she appealed to you along with Agatha Christie for sure. Yeah. 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 So it's just, and these are the stories that I sort of accidentally found um, and just loved, loved from a very early age. And lo and behold, but I didn't start out as a mystery writer. When I started getting serious about writing, I was just writing mainstream or literary stories. Um, and one of my stories got long and it turns out it had a crime in it and, uh, a writer, Terry Faraday, um, had read a few pages for a thing I was at, and he's like, uh, you know, you might be a mystery writer because there's a crime in your first 15 pages. Just consider it. You know, maybe not, but just think about it, and this is what it means to be a crime writer. These are the places you'll go, and these are the groups you could join. And it was, you know, it shouldn't have been a surprise to me because I had loved Agatha Christie and Mary Hayes Clark for so long, you know, but it had been a while. I didn't get serious about writing until I was about you know, 33, 34, by which point I had kind of forgotten this, you know, early yeah. specific love. Now, did you kind of feel, I mean, your last book, uh, Under a Dark Sky, uh, you know, was up for an Edgar, won an Anthony Award, um, finalist for a Lefty Award for Best Novel. So did you kind of feel any pressure coming out with your next book right after that to maybe match, you know, I guess the kind of award success that the other one got? Um, well, if you know the, the way the award seasons work, you kind of, it takes a year, right? So the book comes out right. and a year later that you, you learn about nominations. I don't know that I was uh, in particularly feeling um, pressure from Under a Dark Sky, but um, I've had some award success from the first book even, so I, I, I do feel a little bit um, like one of these days I'm going to write a book that no one likes, so it'll happen. Um, but, you know, what I, what I do feel, I do feel pressure to challenge myself, whether it's um, a challenge that makes any difference at all to the reader is another thing altogether. But I like to try new things. I like to try new craft things or, you know, challenge myself in a particular way. Under Dark Sky, um, I challenged myself to have an Agatha Christie level of suspects to sort of widen, you know, yep. the number of people I had on the scene so that it would just have a lot more, um, you know, more red herrings, more suspects, that sort of thing. And it was definitely a challenge because I had eight people, you know, all in one room all participating in a conversation, at which point I thought, why did I do this to myself? You know, this is going to be impossible <laughs> for anyone to follow. Um, so I just had to be very careful about uh, making sure it was, you know, the sort of thing that someone could follow and, and tell who was speaking and get to know the characters maybe two at a time instead of all at once and that sort of thing. Um, for the lucky one, uh, it wasn't necessarily a challenge I set for myself, but a challenge that the story set for me in that I wanted to have Alice 
And then I found that I needed another character, Marilee, and they were, you know, they were too similar. They, they had had different backgrounds, but as, as a voice, I really couldn't tell them apart. They were both women of about 30, 30, 34, and they, just, they would have sounded too similar. I've done a book where I had two characters doing first-person narration and sharing the story. Um, my first book, The Black Hour, has um, a professor who's about uh, 40, she's a woman, and then a student who's about 22, a man. And my goal for that book was if, I, if you put the book down and then picked it up a few minutes later, you could remember exactly who's speaking. You know, within a few, few words, maybe a couple of lines, you could tell where did I leave this story? Who's talking to me? For Marilee and Alice, I just wasn't sure that I could do that. So I decided to write it in third person, um, which is such a small little tweak, but it had been such a long time since I'd done something like that. And it was, it was definitely a craft challenge. And then I had a, a complex story that I wanted to tell. And I did have a little bit of an idea where I wanted to end up. So having some place I wanted to end up just gave me less, um, freedom to get there, so I had to make sure I could land it the way that I wanted to. And when you asked earlier about why I can, you know, why I'm drawn to these stories, they're dark stories, but I always like to have a little hope at the end. I always like to have some version of a of a hopeful, happy ending. It may not seem happy to everybody, but I think somebody, one of the reviewers, <laughs> was uh, was mad that I didn't have like a happy. Uh, you know, like a like a marriage, like a Jane Austen <laughs> marriage at the end of every book. So, uh, <laughs> not that kind of ending. Right. Thanks. No, I, I totally get that. Um, so, I'm curious, though, um, and this is an argument that John and I have frequently uh, between series and standalone. I was just going to ask that question. So I'm <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's a running argument we have. So, I'm wondering, is there a reason you haven't gone a series route yet? Well, uh, my second book, Little Pretty Things, was a series starter. That was the plan. But at the end, when I finished the draft, I didn't immediately, you know, when I sent it off to my agent, I didn't immediately start Juliet Townsend book number two. Um, At the time, I was working full time. It was a very difficult job. I was writing during my lunch hours. And I think um, I had, yeah, it was not, it was not easy. but I think what was really attractive to me to get me to come to the empty page every day instead of, you know, going to lunch with friends or having fun um, was that I needed to have this shiny new story, that I needed to be really excited to start writing, you know, because there was something new to discover. And I just, it just wasn't, you know, let's spend more time with this character, even though I liked that character and I had, I think, good ideas for what could have happened to her next. It just, it wasn't meant to be. I just didn't do it. So you haven't um, felt the right character yet, basically. Well, maybe. Yeah, I, 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 maybe I would like to actually do some of that story for Juliet, but it may be just short stories or maybe novellas or something. But, and then I changed publishers, and it just wasn't, um, oh, you know. yeah, that's a hard you thing, know, It just changed everything. Right. So. Yeah. True. I also love standalones. I love to read them. Um, yeah. I'm a little OCD when it comes to reading series. So I love series oh. books, too, but I... Have to start with book one. That's the rule. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm a standalone guy. I agree guy. with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a standalone guy. I think ser- I like series 
like Lord of the Rings. I like Harry Potter. I like series that know that there's going to be an end. There's five books, that's it, boom, done. You know, I like those. The ones that go on for 15, 20, 25, 30, it's like enough. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there are a couple of series that I read past, you know, the... No, I don't. The 11, 12, 13 book, but, you know, I know what I'm reading. I know this is, I think, why they're so popular, because you know what you're going to get, and there's a certain amount of comfort derived from reading there is. a book that you know I, exactly I, what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get that. But mostly I don't read that. Yeah. You know, like, let's say that there's a story, and, and I'll just say, like, Alex Cross, you know, James Patterson's Alex Cross, is, you know, I won't read every single one. I'll maybe, you know, I'll read the beginning ones, like the first four or five, because those are always really the, the best, I feel. And then maybe I'll jump to 11, and then maybe I'll look and be like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> concept, and it's like 19. Because I don't yeah. give a crap what happened to Alex Cross throughout those lifespans of the things? Because my favorite TV shows, Law and Order, Murder, She Wrote, Columbo, because it was just about that 60 minutes at that time. That's all it was. That's all it was. You could turn you on season about the character's four. life journey. Yeah you, could, yeah, you could turn on season four and watch it, and it's like you're watching season one. I mean, there's no difference. It's the best ever. <laughs> Quincy, all those shows. I don't but care about your character. life. I don't Theory care character. about your life. It bores me. I want to know about your occupation because I'm not watching your life. I'm watching your occupation. <laughs> I, I can I can hear that you guys talk about this uh, a bit. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Do. <laughs> well, James Patterson's not returning his calls, so I'm just don't let you know. No worries. Hey, I interviewed. Hey, I interviewed James Patterson once, and I'm pleased to say that that's probably the last time I'll ever interview him. But I, I, I got him once. Talked to him on the phone for a half hour, probably about seven years ago. Great interview. It was fun. Then the restraining order happened. Anyway, yeah. And then, and then we talked about something other than this. Oh yeah, I mean, we were talking about a bunch of stuff. He's a really, he was really cool guy. He was really cool. So it was, it was it was fun, you know. Some guys, some aren't. I mean, we've introduced some people, and some have been drunk, um, driving mm. on the way home, and no. some have just been kind of boring. Oh yeah, we've had that one. We 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 literally had the drunk guy on the way home. Yeah. Oh. Um, I was going to ask you about murder and mayhem real quick. Um, since sure. uh, I know that's coming up. Um, I know that everything where I live has been canceled, and uh, it's a, I live in a ghost town now. What, what's going to happen with Murder and Mayhem? Um, at this moment, Murder and Mayhem in Chicago is still on. Um, we are, you know, keeping an eye on the situation. Uh, the university where it's held has some extra precautions in place. So that's what it's looking like right now. Um, okay, that's good. You know, no that's new good. information. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're it's taping this, like... local. It's mostly local people, so there's not a lot of flying that has to take place. Yeah. There are a couple of people who are flying in, and we've had a couple of cancellations, but it's um, mostly yeah. it looks like it's holding steady at the moment. And so it people like know when we're and when we're talking right now, we're two days away from Left Coast Crime, and both of us are no longer attending like we were going to. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that's just the way it happens. Yeah, it's going to be a you know a five hour flight for me. So yeah. I don't know. two and a half hour drive for us. We were going to drive down, but yeah, yeah. So, Lori, so what's the best place for everyone to find out about your writing? Is it your website, lauriraiderday.com? 
uh, website, social media. I'm on Instagram, Lori Rader Day. Uh, I've forgotten all of the Twitter, Lori yeah. Rader Day, <laughs> and Facebook, Lori Rader Day Book. Which one do you kind of do the most? Uh, you find yourself doing? Um, I do. I probably Facebook. I have you know my Lori Rader Day Books is my author page, and so I can post some interesting articles, a lot of stuff recently about the Doe Network um, stuff, the amateur sleuth stuff is really interesting. But, you know, the real people who are amateur sleuths are, are really interesting to me. So that's do you, have a, stuff. do you have a newsletter where people can, can sign up or do you just post news on your site? Um, I do have a sign-up list for, I wouldn't call it a newsletter. It's for occasional news and, um, you know, contests and things like that. But I don't, I don't like to bother people. So. Maybe like this once every other month or me. something. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, events, okay. so I can you know get people to come out to meet me at uh, events where I'm not you know places I'm not normally. That's a good yeah. way to reach them. So yeah. yeah. Well, we want to congratulate you uh, for the book, the lucky one. Um, uh, well, you know, let's see when a war time comes around. Let's see. Let's see how you do. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Uh, But the book is out in whatever format. It's out in audio too, right? Audio. It's got a hardcover library edition, and it's a paperback original. Awesome. awesome. It might even be a large print, yeah. Oh, nice. So, Lori, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Um, Again, the book is the lucky one. It is out now, whatever format you want it in. You can go grab it. And thank you so again so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, you have Thank a good you. one. We will talk soon. Stay safe. I hope so, yeah. Keep safe, right. guys. All right, bye-bye. Thanks. And-